We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how are we doing? Kyrie, the king of the fourth. Dominant fourth quarter from Kyrie Irving. After he scored zero points in the third quarter, popped off in the fourth, got the Nets the victory over the Knicks, 122-115. Jack, where do you want to start with this one? I think we start with Kyrie, Nick, because what was it, 20, 22 points in the fourth quarter? He leads the league in points per game in fourth quarters. He has 355 or 357 total points in fourth quarters. You know, LeBron James is second in that mark as well. He is just, he just turns it on in the fourth quarter. And his shot making was just something else from three. His bag was just unlocked. Yeah, those two late threes, they were just pure daggers to the Knicks because they were making a run in this game and they had an opportunity to potentially come back. But Kyrie kind of closed the door on that. Also, his finish late in the game against Sims at the rim, you know, that was impressive. Probably should have been an and one there. Like you said, 21 points in the fourth quarter. Also did a great job in this game of just running the show. You know, finished with nine assists in this one. And the Knicks were doing a lot to try to prevent him from being that guy. And he still finished with 32 points, 12 of 27 from the field. 5 of 12 from 3, 3 of 6 on the free throw line, 6 rebounds, 2 offensive, 9 assists, 2 steals, 3 turnovers. Just another really, really good game from Kyrie Irving. Yeah, showing out for Coach K, who was at yeah. Barclays Center tonight. You just When someone is there for Kyrie, whether it's his family, whether it's a, a colleague, whether it's just a, a friend, he just turns it on. And he, he started the game at least scoring and shooting the ball pretty poorly, but still finished, you know, the 5 of 12 from 3, 12, 27 from the field, decent enough on the volume that he took. And as you alluded to, the playmaking is continuing to be positive. I have Kyrie fans, if I mentioned, saying that, you know, he's not an underrated playmaker. He's a good playmaker. I know. I'm just saying that of late, he's just been showing it off and his leadership has uh, been really, really positive. His decision-making has been really, really positive. And yeah, plus 15 on the night. He just led the team. He wasn't going to let the, the Nets go down uh, to their crosstown rivals. And I think that's nine straight or something uh, along those lines against the, Knick, uh, against the Knicks. I know you alluded to it as well off wax, Nick, that I think Kyrie Irving, since he joined Brooklyn, has not lost to the New York Knicks. I don't think Ben Simmons has ever lost to the New York Knicks. So Look, Julius Randle's son will be crying tonight, probably. <laughs> yeah, uh, you're correct. Our boy Will Jackson has it on his Twitter page. And Nets have not lost to the Knicks since before the pandemic, which is nine straight. And as you mentioned, Kyrie has not lost to the Knicks since joining the Nets. So really good stuff and dominating that matchup. And as you said, you know, 
Kyrie just continues to kind of raise the floor of his teammates. And also in this game, there was a clear difference when he wasn't on the floor. You know, late in that third quarter where the Knicks started to chip into the lead. It was a lineup that didn't have Kyrie Irving. And you could see the issues that we're having for the offense. Yeah, the Nets were outscored 32-26 to 26 in the third. And Kyrie Irving is an all-star starter. And a lot of people might quibble with that a little bit. But I think, obviously, his popularity with fans is second to none. He also was really good in the in the player vote. Players really do respect Kyrie Irving. His skill set is incredible. Yes, his consistency and his availability you can quibble with as well. But he is an all-otherworldly talent. And he continues to put the Nets on their on his back. You know, Even in the loss the other day against the Pistons, as you alluded to, Kyrie Irving continues to do everything that he can to get these Ws for the for the Nets. He's playing extended minutes. The the load is really on him. We've discussed that together. Hopefully, a couple of days break and he can do the same thing and 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 lead us against the Lakers against his former teammate LeBron James. Yeah, uh, forty two minutes tonight, and he's just been carrying a large workload offensively too, where the offense is depending on him, you know, and that those minutes are harder than most minutes, especially in comparison to playing with Kevin Durant without him. The defense is locked in and playing with a level of physicality and trying to disrupt him. But Jack, who did you think was the second best net tonight? It's hardening because the shooting from Royce, from Joe, from Utah, from Seth, it was all really positive. But I guess it probably is Nick Claxton, isn't it? Because... Yeah. I can't remember the last time Nick Claxton missed a shot. Let's go through the stat line. 13 points, 12 rebounds, another double-double, including two offensive. Did have six assists tonight. Another game where he gets those three blocks, including a filthy one on Deuce McBride. Like, these guys just got to know, man. Like, it's Nick Claxton. He's the one... Probably the best shot blocker in the league right now. He might not be the best, you know, if we're if we're going to argue about it. But I think he's the best right now. Do you have a different version of events? you think it might have been someone other than Clax? No, I think Clax was the best, as you mentioned. You know, six of six, did not miss a shot in this game. Had some nice finishes. He probably could have got to the free throw line a little bit more in this one. But overall, his defensive impact was huge. And like you said, Jack, some of the Knicks did not you know, do their homework on this team. You know, RJ Barrett was trying to ISO Nick Claxton. It's just, that's not a good matchup, especially when you have the likes of, you know, Seth Curry, Patty Mills, or Cam Thomas on the floor. Why are you attacking one of the best defenders in the league? I thought Claxton did a really nice job. And this is a matchup where he can kind of, you know, float around a little bit because Jericho Sims not really doing much offensively. Isaiah Hartenstein not really doing much offensively other than around on the rim. So allowing Clax to just float and give help to a lot of the smaller players and matchup issues the Nets had tonight were cleaned up by Nick Claxton. He's a one-man wrecking ball. It's sort of like when you have like a him, a Rudy Gobert, a Brooke Lopez, you can build a defense around an anchor and Nick Claxton has been an anchor like the heaviest of anchors he's been doing so much and again extended play for him 35 minutes in the absence of Ben Simmons who was out with knee soreness wearing looking like a goddamn cheater on the sidelines yeah. you know, he, he's always he's always looking good he's always got some decent fashion choices but we can discuss you know we don't need to get into the BS reports and I will bring that in 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 another game but in, in terms of clacks, there's just consistency, consistency, consistency is is just a wonderful thing. And like he just doesn't miss shots. And a, a lot of people are like, well, he only takes dunks. He only takes shots around the rim. Yes, I do agree with that. But it's also 
He's he's developed a, a, a ambidexterity. You know, you know he, he he finishes with both hands. He's just fluid. He he knows what he can do. He's confident. He's running the court really hard both ways. You know, his conditioning is, is second to none. We might be repeating a lot of the things that were said on previous podcasts, but he continues to do the same thing and continue to do it goddamn well. I'm just looking through just like the last couple of games. Nick, he missed two shots against Detroit. He missed a shot against Philadelphia. He missed four shots against Golden State. He missed one shot against Utah. He missed three shots against Phoenix. He's just, he, he don't miss. Like, he, the, yeah. like the Snoop Dogg, Michael Rappaport meme. This mother effer don't miss. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like Kyrie had more missed shots than Clax has had in the last five games, which is insane. And Kyrie's still shooting at a pretty efficient level. I mean, I think Claxon's starting to utilize his, his athletic advantages around the rim. You know, be it his speed, his quickness, his just flexibility and body control. You know, that Euro step that he's incorporating to his game consistently is going to be a problem for, you know, NBA bigs just because they're not going to be able to move the way that Claxon moves coming downhill. And you saw that happen a couple of times where the Nets got in trouble offensively. Claxon had the ball in his hands and he said, I'm just going to go to work and score. And he did that. No, big time. Uh, big shout out to Clack City. The population continues to grow. And with the Jaron Jackson Jr. conspiracies going around, <laughs> Nick Claxton is the defensive player of the year, ladies and gentlemen. But Nick, we had Royce O'Neal going 407 from three. Joe did the same. Seth went two of three. Utah back Utah, the shooter. The sniper really getting hot from there. Edmund Sumner hitting two of his threes. Cam Thomas going one of one. 22 of 40 overall, 55%. Nice high volume. Really good to see. Was that the other story to the game? Yeah, I mean, that and the Knicks only making 10 threes. You know, they were 10 of 28. The Nets doubled them up. If you double up anybody in the three-point category, you're probably going to win. And, I mean, the Nets are talented from three. You know, we've seen it be sporadic, which it always will be. But this was a night where they hit. And guys were hitting open looks. You know, other than Joe Harris hitting a couple contested looks and Kyrie Irving, a lot of it was really good offense generated from, you know, ball movement, off-ball movement, and good screens. Yeah, this is like a prototype of like what Ben should just be able like looking at. Like, look at all these guys you got around you, my guy. Just drive and kick the ball. You'll get twelve assists, and you can get however, however many points that you want because Royce is an above average three shooter. Joe is one of the best in the league. Seth is one of the best in the league. Utah is one of the best in the leagues this year, and I think that that is real. You know, I I'm, yes, he had a little bit of a slump, but this three of three tonight certainly gets him back onto. You know, Edmund Sumner's a little bit of an aberration going two of two, but he takes the right shots and it's sort of. Bruce Brownie sort of way. He just yep. knows and, and he has comfort in and when he's taking the shots, you know, he's not going to go take five, six, seven of them. And then Cam hit one and it was nice to see Cam play a little bit of time in the absence of Ben Simmons uh, tonight and, you know, Cam was the sixth man off the bench. But We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. In terms of the the starters, Nick. Well, let's get into Royce O'Neal. The 36 minutes, four attempts from the field, all of those threes, four or seven from the three-point line. Did have two free throws. Did fill it up a little bit. Got five boards, which is good to see. Also had three assists, a steal, but was minus 12. Uh, again, the, the plus-minus stat can be a little bit noisy for his 14 points. The starters seemed to really contribute. And in in a game where we've seen in, in, in a couple of games previously where the start, the role players behind Kyrie and Clax really you know, had their colors lowered. They stepped back up tonight, you know, uh, on national TV, and Royce was a part of that. Yeah, you know, Detroit, they were terrible. Tonight, you saw the guys, you know, answer. And a lot of that was some of the post-game quotes from Kyrie Irving and Jacques Vaughn kind of saying guys need to step up, and they did that. And Royce O'Neal, you know, was solid offensively, knocked down his threes, which is always huge. Feels like they're typically in the first quarter. Did a nice job on the boards, had that big rebound late in the game, but also defensively on Julius Randle, he was awesome. He disrupted him early in this game, and Randall had probably one of his worst games over the last month, and a lot of that was because of Royce O'Neal and obviously Nick Laxton. I think Royce is just so much better equipped to guard guys that are sort of strong bruises than yep. he is and guarding up rather than guarding guys who are quicker, twitchier sort of guys, Ja Morant, Trey Young, these sort you of dudes. You can see the variation just in this game, you know, when he had a guard, Jalen Brunson or Emmanuel Quickly, you know, it was yeah. a problem. But Julius Randle was not a problem, which is funny. Yeah, it, it's interesting. It's, it's just there's a skill set that a defensive skill set that Royce O'Neal does have that is more suited to you know the bigger sort of guys, and he's a pretty big sort of dude as well in terms of like he's not like six four or whatever. Like he's a six seven sort of shooting guard, and you know, he's classified as a power forward you know in the ESPN box score, and he plays like a power forward a lot of the time, especially on defense. Uh, and you know, he might get matchups where he might have to guard wings, but I, I'm much more comfortable at him guarding front court players than you know the back court. Yeah, I think he does well against average athletes, you know, guys yeah. who aren't jumping out of the gym. You know, Julius Randle, you know, his best trait is his physicality with his touch. And that's something that Royce O'Neal can handle. So good matchup for him. And he did a solid enough job offensively. But I think another starter that really stepped up and, you know, hasn't played well or has been really sporadic over the last month is Joe Harris. And he finished with 16 points, six and nine from the field, four of seven from three, two rebounds, two assists, zero turnovers. Thought he was solid defensively. Probably one of his best games in a month. 
Yeah, definitely. I think Joe's had his ups and downs. I think for the most part, his three-point shooting, whether he's been playing badly, it's it's been steady, if not very good. And it's been the things that you alluded to and I've alluded to on, you know, whether it's solo pods or pods together, you know, he's fouling. You know, he only had the three fouls tonight in, in 31 minutes and you know, he could have played a little bit more time and he led the team in plus minus. And I think that was reflective of, you know, the Nets shooting. He... There was, I think the three that stuck out to me tonight, Nick, was in the fourth quarter where it was like 91, like I think it was 88 to 83. And Kyrie Irving just kicks him the ball up and Joe just immediately just elevates. Like yep. he's not thinking. And it's just sort of like, does he have Kevin Durant's, you know, voice in his head, take the shot. I like it when Joe is an unconscious shooter because yep. he has an incredible fluidity, an incredible rhythm, incredible mechanics. I'd rather see him, if he need, he should be taking a minimum of five three-point shots per game. If he's not taking that, then that's an aberration on him and maybe an aberration on the team in terms of getting him the right shots or whatever. But he is an incredible three-point shooter. He can be inconsistent defensively, but I will always trust his three-point shot in the regular season anyway. And I thought that shot was emblematic of a guy who had a bit of confidence tonight. Yeah, he shot with more confidence and he just, like you said, elevated quickly, even had a contested look in this game. And I think he's just a guy that benefits when the Nets have really good ball movement. And they had that tonight with 31 assists. Also a couple of hockey assists in there for Joe Harris. I thought he did a nice job moving the ball, especially in that fourth quarter with like three seconds on the shot clock, finding Seth Curry in the corner. That was a big play in this game. And I think he was just playing his role really well and he looked comfortable tonight. And that's not something we've been able to say consistently about Joe Harris this season. Yeah, when you have 31 assists on 46 made field goals, that's just an incredible team play. And you have a, a four-out system where you have Royce, very good, Joe, Kyrie, Seth. Like, three of those four are elite three-point shooters. And they were able to generate those looks tonight because it's harder when an elite three-point shooter is by himself because yep. the defense can shade and can, can cheat off some other guys, which is what happens when you have Ben Simmons and Klax out there. Yes, the defense is going to be pretty positive, but it'll, it means that you know there's lesser open looks for a guy like Joe, lesser open looks for a guy like Royce and Seth and, and, and et cetera in Utah. But tonight, because there was just a bit more space out there, it allowed Joe to really find his own. And Seth as well, Nick, 33 minutes for him. He was inserted to the starting lineup and he continued to be pretty positive. Yes, he was minus six, but five and nine from the field, two or three from three. He did have three assists as well for his 14 points, two or two from the free throw line as well. I think Seth has shown a, a more consistency of late offensively, which is what I want from him. The defense is always going to be hit and miss. He's a guy that's going to be targeted. But if he can be at least above average on offense, that can nullify some of the things that he can't do defensively. Especially with Kevin Durant being out. I think, you know, in that Detroit game where he didn't play, you felt his absence because of well, at least his ability to handle the ball, run and pick and roll, you know, generate a little offense for himself and others at times. And I thought he was probably better in the second half of this game than the first half and had some big threes down the stretch. You know, Seth is helping the Nets win regular season games. And that's something we know he can do. The question is, can he do it in the postseason with his size and some of his limitations? Yeah, guys, check out the trade pod that Nick and I did. We discussed, you know, basically Joe Harris, Seth Curry, Patty Mills and their futures, long-term, short-term. Obviously, there's been rumors surrounding them and their trade status and their status with the team. So go check that one out. It's some evergreen content. And we'll get to a little bit of trade stuff later on. But getting to the bench, Nick, we saw like, you know, 10 minutes or more for five guys. Day one sharp, 14 minutes. Yusuf Watsonabe, 17 minutes. Patty Mills getting back out there for 11 minutes. Edmund Sumner, 10 minutes. And Cam Thomas, a lot of guards out there for, and with his third. Team minutes. He was the first off the bench. Who do you 
Who was the best guy off the bench, and why was it not Utah Watanabe? <laughs> you know, it was Utah Watanabe. I thought Utah was really good in this game, knocking down his threes. You know, not coming from the corners, coming from the top of the key, three or four from the field, three or three from three. You know, showcase some of his versatility, and also not just the on-ball switching, but the off-ball switching. He did a nice job of the scram stuff to kind of help get some of those guards in bad match out of bad matchups in the paint. So. Really happy with Utah and a positive trend for him. You know, obviously a lot of these role players have been inconsistent. It's important for them to put a couple good games together. Definitely. And, you know, Utah has probably had more bad games than good games of late. So for him to get back on board, Royce, all, all the sort of role players, it's going to take that for the Nets to get some consistent wins and consistent performances in the absence of Ben, for, for lack of a better guy to throw out there, but and also from KD more especially. But yeah, I, I think... One thing I like from Utah as well is that he's just brings he's consistently bringing energy. Sometimes yep. that energy can be in the wrong facet or channeled into the to the wrong ways. But he ran the break, you know, in a in a pretty crucial period and and dropped the dime off to Nick Claxton in a two on one sort of opportunity. He's always running the floor, and Joe does that as well. That sort of you know positivity and wanting to do stuff and wanting to make something happen. Yeah, it, it it'll it's just a, he sets a, a role of what a good role player sets the he sets a standard for what a good role player should be doing. Yeah, at least the energy and the effort level. You know, that's what he plays with. He brings in the activity, and I thought defensively, you know, made more positive moves in this game than negative moves. And you know, as you mentioned, it hasn't really been the case the last month. So really good for him, and hopefully, it's a trend for all these guys because with KD out. The only way they're going to win games is if some of the role players step up. Everyone doesn't have to be perfect every night, but Clax and Kyrie are going to need help. Nick, did Daron Sharp play better than Ben Simmons? I mean, yeah, I mean, Ben Simmons didn't play, and Daron came in and did what he was supposed to do. I thought this was a really solid game for Daron Sharp. You know, not overly impressive, but had six points, had three offensive rebounds, had one assist. I thought defensively made a couple good rotations, had a couple deflections. Overall, not amazing, but he did his job and contributed to the Nets winning this game. I think the Knicks are a good matchup. I put this on my yeah. timeline that I think that they have bigs that are good-ish. Like, you know, when the last time we saw Darren Sharp play some pretty awesome basketball was against the Pacers. Certain matchups are going to advantage a guy like Darren Sharp and his skill set. And I thought, again, you, as you alluded to, it was better defensively, but because the nature of the skills and, and rotation that the Knicks put out there, they can't really attack the weaknesses that Darren Sharp does have. So he can be used sparingly. And as a guy... If the Nets don't add a, a front court player, but it seems very likely that they will. If uh, we'll get to that a little bit later too, but yeah, he's got skills, he's got talent. You know, we both have been fans of King Sharp, and it was good to see him contribute contribute positively in tonight's game. Yeah, I think a team that lacks discipline, you know, I think the Knicks lack discipline discipline offensively in this game at times. They probably could have exposed him more, but they kind of got took some of the bait in attacking the ISOs and kind of settling for some shots. And like you said, that benefits sharp and he was able to contribute to a win. What did you think of Cam Thomas's 13 minutes, Nick? And he was the first guy off the bench as well. Yeah, I think it was very polarizing uh, 13 minutes. Um, a lot of hot and a lot of cold. Uh, obviously hit some big shots. You can see what he can do offensively at times. but And even defensively had a couple nice plays in this game. But also low basketball IQ plays. You know, shot clock stuff where he had a shot clock violation in this game. That was pretty much his fault. And then one of the threes he hit was just a crazy shot at the end of the shot clock because he wasn't really locked in. So I think you see the positives and you see the mistakes. He's a young player that needs a lot of minutes to develop because he's obviously not 
polished to the NBA game where he might be polished as a scorer, but he's not polished as an NBA role player. So you can see the frustration from both sides and the people wanting him to play more, but also the people that don't want him to see the floor. Yeah, there's there's arguments from both sides. And I guess we saw Patty Mills for 11 minutes, 37 from the field, 1 of 5 from 3. He did also have 2 assists, 3, 7 points. Edmund Sumner, 10 minutes, 2 of 4 from the field. Both of those threes did also have 2 assists, did have the 2 turnovers and, and, and 3 fouls in his 10 minutes. Patty Mills, Edmund Sumner, Cam Thomas, Nick. How much can any of those three guys contribute going forward? And for me, like just thinking about the skill sets of those three different guys, they are very, very different. Despite that, they are all point guards and they are point guard size. You know, Patty Mills is a, a gunner. You know, he's he can create his own shot a little bit, but he's a, a three-point marksman at best at this point of his career. Edmund Sumner, a really good driver, a decent defensive presence out there. You know, he's been in the three ball a little bit, but is, is a much better driver of the basketball. And Cam maybe has the best offensive game of those three, but probably has the worst defensive game. You can make an argument with Patty Mills there. But, Might have the worst three-point shot too. And the worst three-point shot, which is which is um, really like striking to say because he's a guy that you know in college shot it really well, but it seems to me he can only really... He can't hit a catch-and-shoot three. He's hit maybe one or two, I think, in his career as a, as a Brooklyn net. But talk to me about those three guys and maybe their viability in the Nets rotation going forward. Yeah, I think Sumner always kind of looks better when Ben Simmons isn't playing because there's room in the paint and just like an opportunity for him to drop the ball off to Clax or Daron Sharp for a play, and he can attack the rim. And I think defensively he's solid. So Sumner, I think, is the best of the three and probably the most consistent. You know, Patty Mills is one of the worst defenders in the NBA. And as you mentioned, a gunner. You know, he can get hot. He can also get cold. He has kind of one job out there, and he can bring you some energy. And I thought, you know, you play him maybe a little bit in the second quarter, and that's about it. You know, you don't go back to him. You don't look for him for more. And Cam Thomas is just, as I mentioned, all over the place. I think defensively, as I said, had a couple good plays, but offensively very sporadic. I think at times he just it gets just too locked on the rim. You know, a little ball hog tendency. You know, people point out on Twitter there was possessions where he looked off Kyrie or – you know, didn't pass in the ball and took a long contested too. It's like you can get that shot at any point in the shot clock. You have to have some level of discipline offensively and you have to have an understanding of where you're at in the NBA. And I think Cam just has not had that realization yet. And that can be the difference between him having a long NBA career or him struggling to potentially find a home. Yeah, I guess there's reasons why he said there ain't shit, la- shit to laugh about. I think that was the quote for like why he doesn't smile. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which was which was funny, but uh, any other game notes, Nick? Before we get to a little bit more trade talk uh, via Woj. Um, no, the Knicks are just a pretty good matchup, especially when you're limited defensively. They have guys that don't make shots. They have you know some bad three point shooters and guys that can struggle from that end of the floor. So overall, you know, a nice win for the Nets. The Knicks did help a little bit with their play, but at the end of the day, you're going to take what you can get with Kevin Durant out. Yeah, all the wins matter. It doesn't matter who it's against. doesn't matter you know, what the nature of it is. It's a W. You take it every single day of the week, especially after that pretty poor Pistons loss. But to the trade notes, Nick, Woj, and I quote this. He, it's in, relate, in relation to getting some more front, front court help for Nick Claxton especially. You'll see when Claxton is off the floor how vulnerable they are on that front line. So they'll be looking for some athleticism, some size in the front court between now and the trade deadline. My guy, Sean Marks, has been down in the Southern Hemisphere of late, so hopefully he's got uh, international call rates on so we can continue to make the calls to Minnesota in regards to, to Nas Reed or Mo Bamba with Orlando. Is it, are those just the only two guys that probably seem likely, Nick? And is it, does it seem more likely than not that we will see 
the Nets make a trade and it seems to be fait accompli that the Nets are going to add that sort of guy. It's sort of like prepping. It seems to me like these are like the, the Woj is prepping like Nets fans for just like, okay, just expect the front court guy. Don't expect a Kyle Kuzma. Don't expect the Boyan Bogdanovich. Don't expect an Alec Burks or whatever. Just like, we'll get a front court guy. That's the only thing that matters. Am I reading between the lines too much there? Uh, what, what are you, your thoughts, I guess, on, on this renewed news from Woj? Yeah, I mean, I think you could look at maybe some of the. It depends on how you classify. You know, you could say Kyle Kuzma is a front court guy given his size and he's playing, you know, power forward to an extent. But I think, like you said, Jack, I think they're identifying their major weaknesses backup center and a lack of size when Nick Claxton's out on the floor. And like you said, Nas Reed, Mo Bamba, guys that make sense. You know, Nets tied to Nas Reed recently, as we mentioned in the trade pod, and have been tied to Mo Bamba in terms of free agency the last offseason. So easily could be a guy they look to acquire. Um, it, it's going to be an important move for them to make. But as, you know, you mentioned, it can't really be the only move. You know, there has to be upgrades elsewhere. And I think the role players have been so sporadic that it kind of gives maybe the Nets and Sean Marks like a kick in the butt to go out there and be maybe a little bit more aggressive than pre-Kevin Durant injury. Would you be unhappy if the Nets only make one move? If it is that Nas Riddle Mo Bamba and they don't acquire a Boyan to a lesser extent at Alec Burks or a Sadiq Bay or Malik Beasley or, or any of these other guys who have been known to be in the trade market, would you be disappointed as a Nets fan? Yeah, I think it'd be fair to be disappointed. I think it's Obvious the Nets probably need one more quality player to put them over the top and put them at the same level with Boston. If they add, you know, Nas Reed or Mobamba gives them a chance to win the series, a better chance than they had without that acquisition. But there's still a gap in terms of, you know, the role players and the talent between those two teams. And also you want to put yourself in the best position to win when you have a championship window currently open and you never know when that window could end. So I think if you don't pull the trigger on, you know, a slight overpay, then you're not doing your job. Yeah, I think now is the time to sort of throw your chips all in there. You know, yeah. this is a, the Nets have a very good chance and what is a, a, a wide open race for the championship. If they feel confident about Kevin Durant coming back in, in the next week and a half and they feel confident about Kyrie Irving being consistent going forward, then you just got to do it. It's as simple as that. It might be an overpay and, and you know, NBA Twitter might be like, well, why did the Nets give up two firsts or like an, a protect, an unprotected first for Boyan or Kuzma or whatever? Like, I don't care like because this year might be the year because as I've alluded to a million times, I think Kyrie Irving's going to be pretty good next year. I think he's going to be as good as he's, as he's been this year. But I think Kevin Durant, look, I wouldn't put it past him for, by continuing to be as incredible as he has been. But what are, there are a few guys that are age 30, in the age 35 season that continue to be as consistent and otherworldly. Katie might be one of those guys, but I think this is the season where they need to strike. Sean Marks need to prove as a GM, you know, his butt's on the hot seat now. You know, and, and, yeah. and he might have, you know, great ties to Joe Sy and, and, and whatever. But if he doesn't make the moves, you know, there's Bob Myers who's, you know, out, out there waiting, who, you know, is you know, been tied to other organizations because Golden State aren't willing to give him what, what he deserves. So I think Sean Marks needs to prove that he can create a championship roster, not just a fringe good winning roster, get the superstars in there, the moves around the margins. And this is where championships are made. Yeah, it really is. And hopefully he pulls the trigger on that move and gets something done and puts his team at that next level. As you mentioned, there's some guys out there that can be had. And even if it's not the perfect move, Jack, I have a question for you that's been floating around NBA Twitter um, in terms of the Nets. Would you send Ben Simmons in, let's say Cam Thomas on a first round pick to the Blazers for Nurkic and Josh Hart? 
Yeah, I saw that one. Like a part of me would just do it right now, but like I also can't put behind me the fact that like Ben was our best player in like three to five games um this year. It's really it's hard to sort of separate that discourse. But you know, the Ben Simmons, the BS experience, the BS report still brought back that brought brought to you by Nick Fay and NBA Twitter <laughs> tonight. But look, I would do it probably as as you asked me today. But, you know, could Ben Simmons come back against the Lakers and dominate, you know, LeBron James and, and make him you know, look like a fool? Yes. Like, that. that's the thing that I, I find it really hard to remove. Like, and yes, maybe it's an, a naivety and a subjective bias to for one of, like, our best Aussie exports into the NBA world. But you'd be selling low, but you'd also, like, Josh Hart is a, a really, really good role player. Nurkic, I don't think, is going to play in the postseason. I, I'm really, really low on Yusuf Nurkic and how poorly he is, and I think that he is, like, I'd rather have Nas Reid on the roster, and, and Yusuf Nurkic is, like, your Dayron Sharp there. But, I don't know, what's your answer? I, I find it really hard to answer it with as much objectivity as possible, but as of today, probably... You asked me in a couple of days, I'd probably say no, but I think Ben Simmons' value is at an all-time low, and the fact that that is getting traction shows where he is at. Yeah, I think you look and see what else is potentially on the table, but if you think that move can help you be a better team this year, and I think there also could be a level of concern of like Ben being a distraction and also being a negative in the locker room. I think it was pretty clear after that loss to Detroit, he's rubbed some of his teammates the wrong way. I think the way that you saw some body language on the bench when KD he was leaving Seth. the game. You were alluding to yeah. KD and Seth, Nick. I sent yeah, you the photo, no, mate. Well, you no, and I also th- think uh, like Kyrie, some of his remarks after the Jacques game, Vaughn. Jacques Vaughn. Yep. I mean, at some point you have to wonder, like, does the team even like him? And I'm not trying to be mean or anything to Ben Simmons, but I think it's a fair question. If you think like those guys can impact on the court and – yeah, Ben can potentially provide some things, but he also could potentially provide nothing and be a negative. And like he was in that Detroit game where he was a negative on both ends of the floor because of the way and the mentality in which he was playing. And like, it's a game seven and you're playing Ben Simmons. Like, how do you feel? You might feel terrible because <laughs> I wouldn't feel great about putting him out there. I'd probably feel better about putting Josh Hart out there because I know he plays super hard and he can at least can contribute something. Obviously, yeah. that's not the perfect trade and there might be other ones out there. But I think it's in a real situation where the Nets should consider moving Ben Simmons because I'm not sure the value will ever get higher. And I'm not sure you can waste a roster spot on him and the overall black cloud over him for this season. Yeah, it's 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 getting darker and darker that cloud. As but look, we'll see what happens, Nick. You know the the BS report again brought to you by NBA Twitter and Nick Fay, Nick underscore Fay underscore. But yeah, there'll be plenty of trade talk. I'm sure we'll we'll chat more going forward. Hopefully the the next time we do the Nets have made an upgrade to their roster. Miles Turner's now off the market. Nets Twitter can stop about that one after he signed an extension. Shout out to our guy Corey Waldron. But in in saying that, any final thoughts on trades, KD, anything, Ben Simmons before we wrap this one up, Nick? Not really. I think the trades have a realistic possibility of starting like next Tuesday and then working its way to the deadline. I think towards the end of next week is when you'll see a couple moves go down. And obviously, you know, Monday and Tuesday will be the spicy days. And hopefully Sean Marks makes his team better by then. But Jack, always a pleasure. Big thanks to everybody for listening. Check the buzz on all stream platforms. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. 
This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.